Hello, hello. One, two.
Check, one, two. Microphone, check, one, two, one, two. Check, check. Microphone, check. Is it peaking? Check, one, two. Check, one, two. Microphone, check, one, two, one, two. Check, check. Microphone, check. Is it peaking? Check, one, two. One, two, check, one, two, is the mic peaking? Check, one, two, is it lagging? One, two. One, two. Check, one, two, is the mic peaking? Check, one, two, is it lagging? One, two. Check, one, two, true seeker. All right, go ahead and show them one another.
because of how they abused the gods over the nations, abused their people. That tells you right away that God you know, really you know, didn't want that to happen. He'd like something different to happen. But you have these other gods getting raked over the coals. And you get to verse 6, and it says, God says to them, Well, I thought you were gods, all of you, sons of the Most High, but you're going to die like men. So you have the Elohim of verse 1 called the sons of God in verse 6. Well, over in Psalm 89, the sons of God are in a council, in a divine assembly, in the congregation, in the sky. So there aren't a bunch of men floating around in the sky that have charge over the nations. In other words, the evangelical answers just did not fly. It it really only took me a couple hours to find that out. But then I was stuck. It's like, what do I do? I'm not getting any help from my tradition. And the, the good part of that was, you know, I really, I can remember, you know, sitting in the library one day and thinking, do I really want to go down this road? It's going to make me rethink everything. It's it's not just rethinking what does a term like monotheism mean in relation to Psalm 83. It means thinking everything, because what else else didn't I notice? The whole thought just made me tired. I thought, you know, if I don't do it, I'm always going to regret it. I'll always wonder. And then I'll always have Hey there, Truth Seeker. Hey, man, how are you? Pretty good. How's it going? Pretty good. Awesome. Oh, I got duct tape over the camera. Uh, <laughs> That's what's going on. Try to hide that shit. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
go, go. Hey, let me grab my head, my earbuds right quick. Yeah, take your time. Also, feel free to let me know if I need them. Yeah, I've been checking out your videos for a while, man. Cool. When you go live and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty fun times. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I don't. I didn't really promote it. I really promote the show after the fact. Yeah. But everybody who's like on social media, I'll send everything out when we go live. Cool. So if anybody has any questions and stuff, we usually go about an hour. Is that cool? Okay. Why don't we uh, figure out how to sync that? Because I could also post it. Uh, okay. If... I'll send you the link. Yeah. You have like a live call-in thing? Yeah. Um, I, I'll just send you on Facebook Yeah. Um, what I have posted ready to go as soon as I click live. Yeah. That'll be awesome because uh, then I'll post it around and maybe we'll get some phone calls. Okay. So we usually have about two minutes or so as soon as I click um, – the intro so it will be streaming live and like the intro is about two minutes and then you can kind of click share and all that kind of stuff so i just uh sent you what i got yeah um and I, i'm naming this show i usually try to come up with a cool name beforehand and oh. sometimes i have to change it after because it doesn't really <laughs> with it you know it doesn't really stick to the name but i got um return to nature our mystical mystical connection with the plant kingdom nice. that's something we can tie into yeah yeah, that's awesome. great. Let's see. So um, with this, it's uh, um, people can access it and yeah. So that's Zoom, right? That's the problem. No, 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 no. It's not through Zoom. So it's gonna be. So I actually, I actually have a third party uh, phone line tied into Zoom. So they'll be able to stream live and ask questions on YouTube as we're going live. So that links in there. And then there's a phone number where they can call in and I have a switchboard so I can. I think I get it. Yeah. So you could, you could share, you could share that link and the phone number and just everything I pasted. It'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I put, we are about to go live. Okay. So cool. I'll post this all over my social network and then uh, we'll get started. All right. I got a, um, I've got an auto poster too. So as soon as we go live, I'll click it just so they'll have it there cool maybe i can learn some things for you <laughs> oh yeah man I, I i study this stuff man i'm trying to move into where i'm doing this full time now so yeah podcasting and music and stuff as well so yeah i'm gonna learn all the tricks of the trade and because there's a lot of people who go live now i don't know if you've seen them but everybody's going live now but they'll go live and they'll take 10 minutes and they'll sit there and share it while they're having a during an interview yeah. They're doing interviews and they're sharing the stream trying to get viewers. And it's like, just get an auto poster. Oh. Click, it, click send and it'll send to all your groups, all your pages. Shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, come on. I don't have one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, this one, this one I'm using, um, this one costs about 70 bucks, but uh, it's really cool. It's called um, Octo Suite. Cool. And uh, it'll, if you have multiple pages, it'll share on all your pages and, you can pick your groups and pick like uh, the time increments. That'll so, that'll save me a lot of hard work. Yeah, it does. Um, I might change where I'm sitting just to give a better uh, background. 
Okay. Eat some herbs. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. They'll have all these herbs to talk about. Cool, cool. Let me just use the bathroom real quick and then I'll be all right. You good? Hey, man, do you have uh, Instagram? Yeah, I do. Instagram account? Uh, just True Seeker with the AH. Cool. <clears throat> Whoops. Is it you, like, with a black background picture? Yeah. Cool. Missions in All right, awesome. Cool, I'm good to go. All right. Um so I try to uh, keep it as spiritual as we can, as mystical or whatever, um, yeah. however that ties in. Um, so before we go forward, you're not really into um, psychedelics and stuff, though, right? Of course, yeah. You are? Okay. I feel like I asked you that one time on on, <laughs> on the uh, on the podcast, on the um, live stream about psilocybin, and, and it's almost like you, you didn't want to talk about it or something. I didn't know if you were forward or not. Well, I think my answers are squarely on purpose uh, to just get people to think deeper than um take drugs and get fucked up that's <laughs> my my uh yeah vision with working with those teachers yeah so, you okay. know i've been down to the jungle and 
worked with ayahuasca and have done a lot of experimentation on my own. So I would be happy and open to okay. talk to you that. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Don't don't, don't take my squirrely answers. <laughs> like what they've shown me is that they're kind of the screamers and all of nature speaks. And mm-hmm. we often think that you need, we need the lessons to be like three-dimensional and geometric and shit. And sometimes it's just very simple. Like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Like, can you, oh, can, maybe I can get more high and learn that lesson in more colors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's simple and it's almost like they're all speaking the same thing. We'll go ahead and go live because this, this could be good. So. Yeah, sure. I mean, 20 more seconds if you don't mind. All right. Sorry. Should have said that first. This is great, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, thanks for hanging out with me, man. I enjoy doing this stuff. Yeah, it's really fun. Are you into Terrence McKenna? A little bit, yeah. I've got some of his books and uh, listened to a lot of lectures. Yeah. Have you heard of the Psychedelic Salon podcast? I have not. Uh, that's Lorenzo. He he's posted basically every McKenna lecture that's out there. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Now I swear I'm ready. All right, let me, um, I'm looking for a note that I need to push to the top or something I want to talk about. Let's see. All right. So I study uh, Christian mysticism, came out of the Christian church and stuff. So I st- I'm studied like well studied in the Bible. And so now it's like all of the spiritual stuff that's in there is yeah. what speaks to me. And I like to bring that stuff out. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm going to go through some Bible scriptures that are kind of talking about what we're Talking about. There's two of them in particular I want to share. Great. All right, here we go. So it'll be about two minutes of silence, and then I'll just come in and do an intro and do a spiel or whatever. So we'll go ahead. Hold on, let me double check the stream key for some reason. It's not going to.
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, True Seeker. We're back with another exciting episode of the True Seeker podcast. I'm delighted to be here with you guys and share some information, some knowledge, and always interviewing some really cool guests on here, man. People who uh, I think we all have a piece of the puzzle. I think if we can take our pieces and put them together, they seem to form a picture, man. And I've had some beautiful souls on this show over the years. And today is going to be uh, the same thing, man. More beauty, more love, more understanding. We're going to be talking about returning to nature, returning to that sacred space, man, and the importance of it, how to do it, tips and tricks, all that good stuff. Before we go any further, I definitely have to say a huge thank you to all of my patrons, everybody who is supporting me. Uh, you know, I just went full time uh, doing podcasting and music and all that good stuff. If you'd like to support, you can head on over to patreon.com backslash truthseeker. And there you can give a donation of any amount. And it's a reoccurring thing uh, throughout the month to month. And you get all kinds of cool stuff. You get uh, music that's unreleased yet. You get extra podcasts. Yeah, there's a private uh, group that's for patrons only where we have a lot of discussion and uh, request guests and all that cool stuff. So you guys are my family, man. You guys are enabling me to do what I love to do with a passion. And I'm con- going to continue to bring music and education and do what we do. I've been working on some new music this morning. And I'm excited to get to you guys over there. So if you want new music, people message me all the time. When is new music coming out? When When's new music coming? There's already new music. It's on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com backslash truthseeker to do that. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on the guest. Uh, this is Dandelion. I've been watching his videos on Facebook for some time. He goes live and forging through the woods, through the forest, finding herbs and um, identifying mushrooms and things like that. It's going to be awesome, guys. So a little bit of his bio. Dandelion is an earth herbalist, forger, musician, and teacher dedicated to working with nature to facilitate the reunion of the people with the planetary with our planetary purpose. He teaches through return to nature, providing classes, lectures, and seminars on wild food foraging, mushroom identification, herbal medicine making, as well as primitive and survival skills with a focus on wild foods and forest medicines. Here's the part I like. He also incorporates the philosophies of yoga, alchemy, meditation, and mysticism into his classes, lectures, and seminars, and brings a deep-rooted indigenous medicine perspective of practicing intuition with plants. Sounds very interesting in a systematic and grounded way. You guys can check out his website, returntonature.us. Without further ado, Dandy Lyon. What's up, my brother? Welcome to the show. How's it going, brother? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, just excited to talk to you. Like I said, I've been lurking for a while. I've been watching your videos for a while, man. Enjoy your work. Uh, Me and my wife have been watching them and uh, excited to have you on. Finally talk to you, man. Thank you. What's up? So like I told you before we went live, I've come out of um, the religion of Christianity and, and stuff. So I study the scriptures. I study the Bible. I like to find the spiritual stuff in the scriptures and how it relates to us for today. And there's a scripture I wanted to share, man. Uh, this is Jeremiah 6, 16, and it, say, it says, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. <laughs> Walk in it and find rest for your souls. That's a scripture, man. When I read that scripture, it's just almost like the creator urging you to return to nature, return to the former ways of 
of, of the religion of the um, indigenous people, the practices that they had, that they knew about the spirituality that we're begging for at this point. We're thirsty for it. People are so hungry, but they knew about working with nature, with plant medicines, with plant spirits and things like that. So I wanted to get into that stuff with you today, man, and just talk about returning to the ancient path. Beautiful. Yeah, that really reminds me of kind of a description of what my classes are like, which uh, often people assume that we're going to go really far away on some big hike. Everybody's like, do I need hiking boots? Can my kids come? <laughs> it's always like, oh, you'll be surprised if we get 60 feet. And so we mostly stand off the side of the parking lot and realize that everywhere the concrete stops, this beautiful abundance, you know, the Garden of Eden is still present. And uh, that's really what it reminds me of, that quote. That's so awesome, man. Um, talk a little bit about what you do, just to, just to let everybody know, because you're doing something really cool, and you're traveling around, you're doing these seminars, you're doing these classes, and you're taking groups of people out into the woods, or like you said, right off of the edge of the pavement, man. Talk a little bit about uh, what you offer. So what my passion is, is, you know, I've trained myself in yogic philosophy, specifically what I would call Vedanta, uh, if anybody's familiar, and that is kind of a non-dual understanding that consciousness is one pervading all things. Um, so with that, what I try to do is apply those teachings uh, to nature observation instead of make it an abstract Sanskrit kind of philosophy. So trying really my best to ground those teachings into something that's very practical and hard to um, refute. So like I always think people are like, oh, well, I don't practice yoga but everybody practices like walking on their front lawn. Um, so the philosophy, the, the perennial wisdom, if you like, is always self-evident in all things, including in nature. And I feel like we're at a time where it's, uh, we are so disconnected from the earth as the source that it's almost gone. And my goal and intention is to just one at a time help people to ingest what uh, Stephen Buhner calls the wild redeemer, kind of like the holy sacrament. So um, when consuming that wild plant, I see it as like now nature has you. It's going through your digestive system, the DNA, the neurons are firing, everything is going into you and now she has you. She's taken you. And so that's my goal at classes is just to kind of provide people a little edge into, hey, it's safe. Like, this is your home. This is what your ancestors did. If, if they weren't doing this, you'd be dead. So somebody knew how to forage in your family lineage, probably less than two generations ago. I'm sure your great grandmother was an herbalist. Um, and trying to just help people feel safe with that kind of exploration, because there's been an industrial or corporate coup against people going directly to the land. And now it's all about exoticism, which is funny because that's what I try to break in the idea of people come to my class and we're like, oh, let's get started. And we take two steps and we look on the ground and we say, here's food, here's medicine. <laughs> instead of thinking, instead of engaging this idea that, oh yeah, let's go to the highest mountain really far away to find these really rare things. It's like every time you stop mowing your lawn, Nature just provides abundant food and medicine. So um, at classes, basically, I uh, live in a van. I'm a van dweller. I call it the Far Edge Mobile. I raised uh, uh, half the cost on GoFundMe. That's GoFundMe.com backslash return to nature. And uh, I raised money selling herbal goods 
And now I have a van and I'm full-time in the van touring around looking for wild foods and medicines, teaching online and in person, and uh, just living that life. You guys got to follow him on Facebook, man. He he goes live all the time, just walking through the woods, just pointing out what everything is, man. It's really it's really awesome, man. His his vast um, wealth of knowledge that he has about the plant kingdom and what what's good. Like we like I think we were watching um, yesterday, me and my wife, and you were you was identifying some mushrooms and stuff, and we you were pointing out some of the poisonous mushrooms and some of the edible ones and stuff. And I didn't even know that even though some of the mushrooms may be edible, if they're on a tree that has the, the, the bark on the outside that's poisonous to you. Like, I didn't even know that, that you know, there was a difference, that that was even something to look into. Well, that's basically there's a lot of rumors and there's a lot of fears. There's a lot of misconceptions. So can a poisonous tree uh, be able to transmit poisons into the mushroom. This is a big debate in the mycological world and uh, nobody's really exactly sure. And also, you know, the thing, the idea of poison um, is always something I try to reverse onto the, the norms that we have as a society. So, you know, ideas are like if you weigh Tylenol and you weigh some of the most poisonous plants in the world, by weight, the Tylenol is actually more poisonous for you than the poisonous plants. Um, so, you know, spraying Lysol in the house or Febreze or, or, or you know, engaging, driving down a, a parkway is all seen as normal behavior, but you look at a plant and suddenly we put caution signs and caution tape around it or try to poison it to death um, because of that fear, because of that unknowing. And I think that's a archetype of, you know, projecting on to the other. And I think that was a systematically designed idea, which I think is partially in the Banished from Eden archetypal story of this idea of we've been kicked out of heaven and therefore anything that resembles wildness or, or sacredness, we tend to destroy as a culture. You know, we target it actively. We can go very spiritual. That's why I want to. That's why I want to go with you. But um, a lot of what you're talking about is practical, like practical stuff: how to survive, how to eat, nutrients for the body, mm-hmm. what you can, what you can eat. So it's a very practical thing where you don't even have to get into the spirituality of it, but just returning to nature, pretty much knowing that Mother Earth, Gaia, provides everything that you need, man. And, and, and that, that's so awesome. It's like we like to take that something so practical, but build on, on top of it and look at the esoteric nature behind it and why like we need it. Why is there a disconnect? And talk a little bit about um, like why we need it. Like what is the relationship between uh, our bodies and the plant kingdom? Like were we made for each other? Talk a little bit about that. That's great. So, um, you know, really what I, what you call practical to me is actually very mystical and something just changed. Um, so when you're talking about these practical ideas, um, what I really see is that if you go into nature and you find a wild plant and you sit there and you try to identify it and you bring out your field guide and you study it and then you confirm it and you cook it in the woods on a small fire that you make from twigs with a hand drill fire, um, you're having a mystical experience. That is tapping you way deeper than, you know, buying something from a grocery store and cooking it on a gas stove. So just by living those skills, you have 
uh, a direct mystical revelation to your past and the historic context that we live in. And then um, the, the kind of thread that we um, all come from. And I think once we tap back into that, it's like our roots, you know, we're a tree, we're a family tree. And when you go back and you revert into that, you see what we've been doing for millions and millions of years. And that is kind of the basis. And so can you repeat the second part of your question? Well, yeah. Yeah. Wanting to know like pretty much what we made for each other, like uh, our bodies made, you know, are, are the plants here right. for us to eat? Do they want us to eat them? That type of understanding. So, you know, it depends on like, so I'll use the framework of science, right? So what we know about science is that we are, evolved out of previous organisms. And if you take that as whatever it is, um, you know, I don't happen to believe that everything was just born separated. Um, there's no, there's nothing anti, antithetical to the idea of God with the idea of biology and with the idea of evolution. I don't, I don't see a duality there necessarily. Um, so what I see is that when uh, an algae uh, is eaten by another organism, it grows and it develops and it consumes that DNA and it begins to proliferate and digest that. And over millions and millions of years, you actually get this uh, growth, this, this unveiling. And what it's unveiled is us. And here we are sitting here with all these neurons in our brains. We have all these abilities to digest things with our own livers, right? So we have enzymes, we have receptor sites for all of these things. You know, they say, like, even everybody has an opiate receptor, you know, why, right? Because somewhere in our lineage, that was something that we consumed, whether it was just through poppy seeds or whatever it was as a food source, we had the ability to evolve and receive and open up to that. So the enzymes we have, the digestive ability shows that we were really built from that previous world. And so I always like to remind people like what came first dinosaurs or plants, right? So dinosaurs were eating plants. Obviously the plants were here and they watched the entire dinosaur proliferation and mass extinction. And they're still here. And then they kind of built us and they're like, ha we're playing. This is fun. And now we've come out of their bodies and we rely on them. They produce oxygen without that. We're dead. You know, so we are coming out of this world, which um, has supported our being. And sadly, we're turning around now and destroying it. However, the, the core of that is I don't think that plants like I don't believe that man has dominion over all the creation and therefore is entitled to do whatever it wants and destroy it. Um, yeah. I think that's a poisonous and toxic idea. However, yeah. I do believe we are co-creators with nature and that's a huge responsibility and we are to be the caretakers of mother earth. However, we're failing at that duty. Um, and so when we come out of that, uh, Gaian system, what our goal is then is to nurture it and provide for it and to sow the seeds and to think about the waterways locally that we need those waters to live and survive and, and produce local food, that we are here to eat those seeds and poop them out. And it just coincidentally, when you do that, you proliferate them. You know, you're making compost. So I think that the seeds and the humans are in a relationship and Nature has actually relied, after millions of years, nature has actually produced a biological expectation on Homo sapien, 
to help proliferate oxygen, help clean water exist, help the seeds, the plants proliferate so that we can all eat. And now we've kind of dropped the ball on that, and you're seeing the environmental and ecological and political effects of being so disconnected. That's deep, man. Very well put. <laughs> I love it. All right. So at, at the very beginning, you mentioned um, something that seems practical, going in your backyard, taking off your shoes and just taking a walk through the yard. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all this all of this stuff out there about grounding, about putting your feet on the on, on the ground, in the grass as it moves across and just connecting with the earth. And and, and somehow it, it does something to our bodies, man. Can you talk a little bit about grounding? Is it a myth? Is it just new age mobile jumbo? Does it sound good? Is there any truth to it? I think there's always a, let's say a biological truth. And then there's a mumbo jumbo that gets put on top of it. So does it heal all your chakras and decalcify your pineal gland? Who cares? It feels good. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's where like, let's not go. So there's, something called the principle of parsimony. And this is something I think that has totally been lost in our society, otherwise known as Occam's razor. This is William of Occam, who is a philosopher. And he basically said, until you can refute the most basic hypothesis, you don't invent a new one. So you don't say, oh, look, I'm doing this. That must mean I've gone blind. Or that must mean that aliens just destroyed my vision. It means that probably, likely, I put my hands over my eyes. And so until you can refute that that is real, then you shouldn't invent new hypotheses. So no, aliens didn't just take my eyeballs out. I just put my hands over my eyes. Now, with that, going back to like what the connection of Earth does, there is definitely evidence that it changes your electromagnetic field, which I happen to think is your aura, right? Again, non-duality. That is your aura. You have a, I call it your spora. So you have bacteria all around you. You have microorganisms, spores from mushrooms, molds. It's all around us. We have an aura of that, and it's biological. It's not necessarily energetic only. But, of course, you plug in a phone to an electrical socket, and that receives a certain energy, and that actually does something in the physical world. So I don't like the idea of duality between energy and matter. I think that that's not actually real. Um, the origins of matter actually comes from the word matar, which earlier is mata, which is mother, right? So matter is mother. So all scientists are just goddess worshipers. They don't realize it. Um, so when you go out and you put your feet on the ground, you feel differently. And that's something I think that I always try to ground people in. How does it feel? How do you feel? Does it change how you feel? Yeah. It changes how you feel. That should be good enough. And so then all the evidence on top of that is helpful. And there's definitely all kinds of like forest bathing is, is definitely a a science, a studied phenomena in Japan, for example. And um, everyone knows that when you get closer to the earth, you feel better and you suddenly feel less stressed. If you go for a walk in the woods, that's why people do it, you know, otherwise they wouldn't. So um, there is some practical evidence, but then there's also the fact that, you know, um, it does change your electromagnetic field. It is being shown to reduce stress, all those things. I, I agree, man. It's, it's beautiful, beautifully put. So the simple answer would be yes, man. <laughs> Enjoy it, bro. All right. So looking at your hair, for those who are listening on the, on the podcast and who can't see the video, you have some really nice dreads, really long dreads. You have a long beard. Um, and there's a lot of articles 
whether they're from the new age circles or not. Um, there's a lot of articles about the hair being tied to spirituality, being almost a extension of the nervous system to being able to um, just, just, just being more sensitive to the spirit realm or to intuition or things like that from having long hair. So there's some, there's some scriptures in the Bible. We look at Samson who had long hair. Um, they cut his hair, took away his power. And he says, I have become just as an, every other man. I'm the same as every other, other man. Um, I had dreads. I had pretty long dreads down my back and I cut them just to spur of the moment. And I, I experienced a depression. I fell into depression when I cut my hair, dude. It was weird. Like it took months to get over really weird. I don't know if it's psychological, mental, whatever, but, um, the science of spirituality in the hair, what do you know about that? So, you know, there's also this one amazing story about Native American trackers who kept their hair long and uh, they joined the Calvary to help the Calvary, the U.S. Calvary track. And they cut their hair off as part of the military duty. And they said that they lost their tracking skills. Um, so the idea of Samson, right, is a double edged sword because like, right, the New Age philosophy says, well, if you believe it is so, it will be more so. Right. So I try to to hold the duality in that sense of like, okay, I have stored energy in my hair. I definitely have memory in my hair. I yes. have genetic memory in my hair. I definitely have a lineage, you know, at the tips of there is like when I was like 19 years old. Yeah. It is a readout of the life that I've lived. However, it also is able, if that is true, then also it's true that it is able to be cleansed. It is able to be, uh, released. It is able to be transformed in a way that only gains the power of spirit if first you can do a ritual to retract the energy from the hair into the energy field or into the body or something like that. So that's always where I've tried to come with it. And um, that's just my working hypothesis. I haven't cut my hair since I was like 19. And that was basically just a process of, of again, realizing the natural state. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't get dreads or I didn't grow a beard. Like some people are saying, how long have you grown your beard for? It's like, and I always think, oh, I sit around and I'm like, grow beard. You know, where it's just like, that's the natural, natural state. Yeah. And everybody else is creating effort to mow their lawn, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to allow myself to be the natural expression of what is natural in the body. Like hairs on my body are there for a reason. I believe, you know, so I don't remove hairs on my body. One of the ways, like, you know, I got, I studied some of Sikh philosophy as well as so many world religions. And in that, like, kind of, they're all about not cutting your hair. And so I jokingly say that that's the Sikh part of myself, you know, the part that doesn't trim my, my hair. And uh, that really just feels like it is helping to enhance my uh, sensitivity, my auric perception but I don't want to be bound by the philosophy or the idea that it is the cause of it, you know, and that's like the Samson syndrome. Yeah. You know, so I do not, I, I do not call in the loss of anything. If one day I feel called to cut my hair, um, you know, it's like, does it cause depression to cut your hair? I'm sure it was many factors. I'm sure, you know, you, you had this inner struggle with should I, or should I not? I try to be really open because one of the things that I want to do is really engage the world. And so I'm like a, 
on the sidelines and I'm, I'm like a, a, a forest dweller who comes out of the woods and tries to share and engage with the people. And I've always said, I've made a pact with Gaia and God, whatever, that if you want me to cut all my hair off, just tell me, you know, if you want me to cut my hair off and wear a business suit and engage like that way, <laughs> that way yeah. tell me. I'll be a secret agent. If that's yeah. really what you want of me, yeah. You know, and so I'm really trying to come from that place of like, if my intuition says to cut it, I'm going to do it. And someday maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Awesome, bro. Um, earlier on as well, you mentioned about the uh, the plants kind of communicating one to another, communicating with us. Essentially, when we eat them, we're taking on their DNA of anything that we eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's with that's very practical and very spiritual at the same time. Like there's a double edged sword with both of it. Like when, when they say you are what you, what you eat. And then you are what you eat. Ate. It goes a little bit even deeper, right? <laughs> you so, are what you ate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so as far as like nature speaking, man, um, and we talk, we, we listen to McKenna, you know, people like that who mm-hmm. talk about the psychedelics and, uh, almost to get into a state of where you can hear nature speaking, whether it's sitting under a tree, whether it's consuming psilocybin mushrooms and you, and, and it's some type of walkie talkie device, or it, it gives permission for higher intelligence to commune with you. But there's totally something there, a million percent. Um, there's a scripture here. I want to share another one, man. Uh, this is Psalms 96, 11 and 12. It says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. And then it says, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Hmm. And it's almost, and there's a bunch of scriptures like this, not even in the Bible and all types of other texts. And then when we may do psilocybin mushrooms or we, we, we go on that retreat with ayahuasca, we're connected with the plant kingdom. It's, it's, it's just weird portal, man. It sucks you in and you're communicated with, you're taught these, these principles that like we were talking about before we went live that, you know, there may be some, some things that are subtle, but it takes, it takes going on that journey for even the plants to tell you, Hey, just trust, just be, don't, don't fear, um, return to nature, right? That's, that's what they're saying. Be in the moment. Like that's the message I've, I've always found be in the moment. Don't be anxious for anything. Quit projecting yourself outside of yourself, but be present in everything. So talk a little bit about communication, whether it's with the, the um, sacred medicines or without. Beautiful. So there's a lot to kind of unpack in there. And um, so what I always try to remind people is, um, you know, the reason I actually started teaching plant walks is because I was at a sweat lodge and I felt like it became a plant ego competition where people Mm. are like, oh, I have my sacred cedar from here and I have my OSHA root from there and I have my goji berries from here. And it was all about everything was super far away and somebody else's culture. Yeah. And I realized at that moment there's mugwort everywhere, you know, and mugwort is a sacred shamanic plant in thousands of, of traditions. And people are overlooking that because we're, looking to other traditions and it's important to encompass and embrace all those other traditions, but it's also important to ground ourselves in the being of what is actual and real in our phenomena. If we're going to find shamanism, it's going to be here. 
Do you know? It's going to be in this world, uh, the world that we're actually born into. So with that, I think, you know, one of my quotes that I come back to is, um, all plants speak, but some plants scream. And so the psychedelic medicines are the ones that kind of berate you and, and make sure that you understand that the plant world or the mushroom world is communicating to the people. Now, on the subtle level, what we have to remember, and really there's a great book called The Lost Language of Plants, uh, and also uh, that's by Stephen Buhner, and then Michael Pollan has a book. Um, uh, what is it called? It's, it's Before the Omnivore, more, Omnivore's Dilemma. Um, it's his first book. And what it talks about is what about the perspective from the plants? What are, what are the plants doing? And so in Stephen Buhner's book, it really grounded the idea that Language is not words. Language is also chemistry. And so anytime a chemical affects you when you eat it, whether it's McDonald's or whether it's psilocybin mushrooms, that is communication. That is part of communication. And so plants speak to each other through the language of chemistry. And plants taught man chemistry, right? So that's where we got chemistry from. We learned it from the plants. Um, they are the ones who made dirt and soil and uh, vitamin D and calcium into novel chemistry, which we've never seen on the planet before. So everything is speaking. It's up to us to learn that everything is speaking and to, to, to subtly attune ourselves to listening. And that means slowing down being receptive and practicing meditation and not being the, the being who always tells nature what it is or what it should be, you know, instead becoming a receptive child and saying, I'm the baby, you tell me. And coming into that receptive state enables the communication to develop. Now, then there's the idea of if you want to kind of break through some walls or mm -hmm. enter another dimension or, see what quantum theory is about in three-dimensional reality, then there are these sacred medicines which can help us break through our fears and our, um, our, our resistances. However, not if uh, not applied with proper context. And yes. people can become addicted or damaged with working with psychedelic medicines, especially if they don't know what they're doing, largely because the way the drug laws are set up that – that mistakes plants and drugs, which are not the same thing. Yeah. My vision is that only a drug is when a man makes one. Mm -hmm. right? Anything in nature is called a plant. It's biological organisms. You can't call it a drug. It's a plant. Okay. Marijuana is a plant. Yeah. When you extract THC from it, that's the drug. Opium is a plant. When you extract opiates or make heroin, that's when it's a drug. Yeah. So the natural world contains these chemicals of communication. And we, they're basically banned. We're banned from engaging in them. But oddly and coincidentally enough, what we have is that the society who does not consume them are the ones that determine their legality and the story about them. And they're saying like, oh, you people are always tuning yourselves out and getting, seeing uh, Grateful Dead Bears dancing and stuff. I've never had those experiences. I've never had meaningless hallucinations. I've had direct communication with source. And that is very important. And that's been 
part of my practice from, you know, 18 to 20, when I started listening to Terrence McKenna, and he talked about the heroic dose. And I started researching, you know, shamanism in the Mazatec culture and Maria Sabina and R. Gordon Wasson and Richard Evans Schultes, who were anthropologists who went to these tribes and they learned their plant medicine rituals. And so my intent was always to come from that place. And that's a very different intent than being at a party, being like, let's see what this does. And I don't recommend doing that, although that's not right for me. I always have to come to that. Like, that's not my path. And I would always recommend being with a competent guide or at least a community, which can help hold space if you need it or process or talk to about those kind of experiences. But they're very uh, powerful and they're very sacred. And we need to build a sacred institution, which is shamanism, uh, on working with those, you know, and that's what we've been missing. And that's why the drug laws and the repression is horrible, because it gets a kid who wants to explore the alteration of their consciousness to turn to meth instead of turn to mushrooms. It's completely designed to lower the tears down to garbage. You know, it's just like, while alcohol is legal, what revelations, you know, uh, do people usually get from being stupid drunk and passing out in their vomit? But cannabis constantly gives revelation, you know, and if you tune yourself and you work with that in a way where you're receptive and in a meditative way, you can receive profound guidance. It's just a matter of when is that um, sputtering in circles? You know, when is that doing physical damage to ourselves? I don't think that every day, you know, is, a, is, is right for me. And yeah. then it's a matter of respect and not using. And mm-hmm. I don't think we should, these are our ancestors. These are older than us, these beings. And if you want to say there's either a being in there, that's like a soul or a spirit, or there is some otherworldly entity that uses those as some sort of telephone line to humans. And whatever that energy is, it needs respect, not abuse. And if you try to abuse them for your own enjoyment, usually you'll get in a, in a bad way. And you yeah. see that with ayahuasca, for example, there's plenty of sorcery. There's plenty of dark stuff happening. Yeah. It's obviously you have to set your own ethos and your own quest. And that's really important with working with those medicines. My encounter um, with, with uh, psilocybin, I did a very low dose with some friends at a float tank shop, and we kind of gave ourselves to it. We, we fasted before. We, we kind of searched our heart to kind of some things we want to deal with, and, and we went into had a beautiful experience. It was very philosophical, very introspective about things that I needed to change, my life's course, vision, where I wanted to go with my life, and how to get there. And it would it just birthed something within me that it was this overwhelming sensation that I needed to succeed and to do it, stop wasting time, those type of things. Very beautiful. The second time we did it, um, I took a hero dose and I thought it was going to be the same thing. I thought it was going to be very introspective and we're just sitting there hanging out. You know, you see closed eye visuals, things like that, uh, complex geometry. When I closed my eyes, I seen that. The second time we went to a retreat and it was the same thing. We were uh, fasting, uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, Several guys, we got a cabin out in the woods, just ready to connect. We were all looking forward to it for weeks and doing our research and all that kind of stuff. So we do it. 
and I go outside and I'm starting to feel uneasy. I took a hero dose and I'm thinking it's just going to come on very lightly and be philosophical and, and look into myself. And so we're, you know, we're doing chants and stuff. We're doing, we're singing some mantras to the earth and to the sun, just connected, man. It was beautiful. And, um, walk outside. I'm feeling uneasy. I throw up and I get scared. I panic. What's happening? Cause I'm starting to see like the veil between this realm and the next one get really thin. And, I, and I'm feeling a disease. I'm like, Oh man, what's happening? Like, this feels like some type of ayahuasca stuff that they, you know, they, they always kind of downplay psilocybin. Oh no, it's not an ayahuasca trip. You never tried ayahuasca, you know, that type of deal. And, um, and I started seeing like this webbing of connectivity of the plants, almost like the, um, the mycelium, everything just being connected yeah. with like this green light. And it was at nighttime and it was beautiful, but it scared me. Yeah. I'm like, this stuff is trying to take me, man. Um, trying to pull me out of my body and I, and I'm going through the fears like, okay, if I call the cops, can they make this stop? Like, did I eat poison? Did, you know, did, did I eat poison? That's kind of a one that everybody goes through. Did we consume the wrong thing? Uh-huh. Am I going to die? Though, and I start fighting this stuff and I walk back in there with my friends and, and you know, one of the guy was, was well seasoned who kind of set everything up and I look over at him. I'm like kind of panicking, man, but I sit down, I'm trying to, trying to calm myself down. I look over at him. He's like, man, quit fighting it. Yeah. I said, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. He said, Hey man, quit fighting it. Yeah. Let it take you. And I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Cause it feels like it's trying to take me somewhere. It's trying to show me something. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to quit fighting it, man. I'm going to quit fighting it. And when I did, like, it was like clockwork. It felt like it pulled me out of my body through these portals to this place that was communicated to me. This is where we go when we die. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you where I've taken your ancestors. We were on um, an Indian reservation too. I have Indian um, ancestry, uh, Creek Indian. And I was, it was sacred ground, man. So it was even more special, but it was, it took me to that place. And, um, I would snap back to my body and we'd look around and we'd all come to like, what the hell is happening? We didn't expect that. And it was almost, it was all synced on a, on timing. We'd look around and it was like going up a roller coaster. Here it comes again. Mm-hmm. And we'd all go through and we'd sit there for two minutes, just not knowing, like we're gazing into eternity. And when it, we talk about the beings, man, um, I was confronted with a, an angelic presence. Um, that, you know, we did the, the golden teachers, which is the strain of the mushroom. And I, I refer to them as the golden teachers, as these beings. And, uh, and they had a conversation with me and, um, you know, I do music and I talk about traveling the multiverse and gazing into Orion's gate and seeing, communicating with aliens, all stuff that I'm into, which can be done, uh, contacting like, uh, earth spirits and things like that, all beautiful things, but I throw it out there nonchalantly. Like, hey, everybody can do it. You know, it's cool. You know, that type of deal. And they check me. Say, hey, is this, uh, are you the guy they call true seeker? Are you the guy who's throwing all of this deep esoteric stuff in your music? You just throwing it out there for people? That's you? You're talking about traveling to the Pleiades and and gazing into eternity? That's you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Okay. We just wanted to make sure we got the right person. We got some things we want to show you. Just want to make sure that's you and, and want you to know that what you're, what you're doing, it has consequences. It's special, but we're going to show you some things. We want to let you really gaze into eternity. And like my music became even more real. Back into the abyss, man, and taken to those places of the colors and, 
and the euphoria and, and the tears of beauty of creation of just um being glad to be alive man and and, and just camaraderie everything that is that that is beautiful man we experienced it together and that was my my second experience and it changed my life man mm-hmm. it changed my life and i've got a song i want to send you when we get when we get done it's called the golden teachers and it talks a little bit about that and at the very end it talks about uh, i have some samples from i forgot the woman's name but she's talking about that all plants matter it is speaking and some of them speak more often some of them speak um more frequently and uh and sometimes you have to do things to get into a state where you can listen and i think it's um i think it's beautiful too because like i've in, in the state of spirituality and it's almost like i've 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 become more uh, um, sympathetic with others of trying to put myself in their shoes. Okay. And that's how I show, whether it's God, the universe, whatever taught me sympathy for the people in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan when I was able to see what it's like when the U S bombs them and runs through their villages and taking women and children captive and doing crazy stuff. It's okay. What if that happened to me? And so kind of the same thing with the plant aspect, okay, what if, you know, what if this is, is me? Like, what, what, what do you have to teach me from your perspective and to learn from, from whoever's perspective? It teaches you not to judge, man. There's just so many life lessons, and it just showed me that it was, a, it was our coming of age, which we in the West have totally, we don't have it. It doesn't exist. I say the closest thing to a coming of age is um, college or something. And, I, I, you know, I don't know. But uh, it was it was beautiful, man. And it, it was something ancient that, that we communicated with that night and it changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great sharing. And, uh, I've had similar experiences and, um, I think there's one aspect what you're touching on, which, you know, you've used the word sympathy. I would use the word empathy, empathy which yeah. differently means that you get out of your ego's perspective and can actually access through travel, and access the other being's perspective, whether it's a child in Iraq, whether it's a plant or a tree being cut, right? These are the experiences that people have on psychedelics often, and they are the ones that grow our empathy. And when we can feel and when we can perceive what's going on, that's when we act to change it and to help. And that's really what I think that the plant teachers or the mushrooms want is they want to turn us into Loraxes, into channelers, into um, servants of the earth, because it's their earth too. Like they're ambassadors to the humans saying, hey, enough is enough, kids. Like we need oxygen. You're going to die. We're going to die. You know, nuclear war is not going to help anybody with anything. Here, feel what it feels like to get bombed, you know, for 20, now 20 years in, in Afghanistan. So, those are the things that we need and yet are repressed from our, our society. And that's exactly why it's important. And, you know, I remember um, working with Salvia Divinorum one of the first or second times. I'm one of the very few people that feel like I understand what's going on with that. And one of the first times and I met these entities, these beings, and I was like, who and what are you? And like, I'm going to, tell everybody about you and <laughs> like yeah try that one yeah. try to tell everybody about us that'll make you look like <laughs> a complete nutball and, and i realized in that moment that that's what esoteric means and that's yeah. why 
I'm a little systematic in how I kind of reveal my own personal experiences. Yeah. The seeker must go through the initiation on their own. And even if you, if you try to divulge the secret, they do not understand. And so, you know, esoteric is not things that we repress from people with secrets, like secret societies. Esoteric is also things that someone cannot perceive because they're not ready to be initiated in that. Mm -hmm. And that's really amazing. Like, for example, you're talking about the Bible. Like, I believe all sacred texts have an exoteric and an esoteric interpretation. And only on a certain level of your development and your growth do you realize this is not about people. This is a Jungian archetypal story about all that exists. And, you know, that's the kind of deeper level. Like, my individual archetypal story of me dandelion is a metaphor for man you know and and everything has these multiple layers and i think that's again what the the psychedelic medicines show us is you know you are a microcosmic representation of the entire cosmic process and within you is the entire cosmic process unfolding and that's as above, so below, as within, so without. So those multiple levels of being are so important to get to know, but also very, we need to be careful in how we articulate them as, as a, whatever we want to call ourselves, as a waking group of people, we need to become masters of the word because these realms are so subject to misinterpretation that obviously like you see it all the time, you know, people who have these psychedelic experiences, like you're saying, maybe I should call the cops. And in light, you know, oh, oh, it's it must be a good I, good idea to call, like tell the cops that I'm now enlightened, you know, and like let me tell them about the angels. And so we need to understand we are secret agents. We are walking between the realms, and yeah. when we do that, we have to know how to deliver the right sentences and the right words to awaken those who are ready and be very careful about kind of revealing something that's subject to misinterpretation because a lot of people are trained in a society that is basically materialistic rationalism. You know, the church as an institution has failed the people. Mm-hmm. The, the spiritual core of the Bible is real, you know, of all sacred texts. The institution, the monetary uh, corrupt system that has been built over that has yeah. sown so much doubt into our society that now people have become backed into a corner, are afraid of their own human soul, do not understand that realm, and therefore are stuck in a place of like, okay, only what I can see is real. Only what I can see is real. Only what I can see is real. And as a result, they're very afraid. They're damaged. They're broken and they're scared. And that's kind of the awakening is to pull people out of like, well, here's another perspective. And this is why I think the plants and the mushrooms are, you know, why ayahuasca is coming into the scene so strongly because those are powerful forces that there's just, it's very hard to go back to sleep after you have a a DMT experience or something. Yeah. I was, um, um, I kind of want to talk to people about, you know how we say like ayahuasca trips or, you know, the psilocybin doses can, can heal depression and pull you out of depression and give you purpose and uh, overcome the fear of death. But but there's another aspect that I've seen that once you see the other side and you go back to working at the machine shop or being the the guy who 
uh, is, is in a warehouse working somewhere, boxing stuff mm-hmm. that can, you know, after seeing, gazing into eternity, communicating with this, this plant life that, that, that encourages you to seek after your dreams, to go to, to find out why you're here and pursue it. Yeah. There is a form of depression that comes if you don't do it. Like if you have that communion and then you go back and just try to live this mundane life and not pursue your goals, there's a, there's like a um, immense depression in that too. You know, I don't think, think many people talk about that. You bring a really good point because I think what we misinterpret the message is as you need to leave your job, leave your school, leave your family and go sit in the woods and be a crazy lunatic and just eat mushrooms all day. That's probably not the message. And what it comes is like the enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And I don't find (laughs) that it's a, it's a quantitative issue. It's a qualitative issue. If I'm a mechanic, have I been truly honest and serving? That's different. I can still be a mechanic, you know, but like if I'm a gender, am I sweeping with prayer in my heart or am I doing this for money? And that's, quality inside of the soul that needs change. Yeah. It's not necessarily that you try to change the, the world to be more comfortable around your particular psychedelic psychosis. It's that we engage the world in a different way with more humbleness and more respect and more care and more awareness. Mm-hmm. And out of that, you know, out of that desire to serve, I believe that the universe, God, will pick you up and transition your job quality to the point where you no longer are the janitor, but it wasn't something that you extreme did in your head with your rational thinking like, oh my God, I have to get out of this. This is a trap. The material <laughs> world is a trap. You know yeah. what I mean? Money is an illusion. Yes, and play. You know, this is just a play. Like I remember that great Bill Hicks quote, uh, you know, something, uh, you know, today a young man on acid realizes that all matter is, uh, just vibration and we are the imaginations of ourselves and here's Tom with the weather. And yeah. so the idea is like the revelation is not antithetical to being a normal human being. And that's what the plants have told me. And so I try, even though I have a beard and dreadlocks and, you know, I dress pretty normal and I try to just be uh, a normal person. And within I try to channel that transformation and mm-hmm. almost like, no one can see it. It's just a vibration. It's just a light shining out of Mm -hmm. you. And that is, I think, better than wearing white robes and screaming, the end is near down the street, because nobody's going to hear that. Everybody's going to be triggered. Everybody's done that. (laughs) And that's, that's the problem with psychedelic consumption in a way is that you get this power. It's just coursing through you. And then the question is what to do. And, you know, I've done that too. Like I've been in a position where I've been like preaching and having all the answers. And that's part of our spiritual growth. We all have to understand that. And then something kicks you in the, in the stomach eventually, if not lower. And, uh, you know, eventually we get to the point of like, okay, like the answers are to be exemplified, not to be preached at, you know, and and preaching can only go so far. Telling other people how to live is secondary to living that way. And mm-hmm. like, for example, I always think about, you know, with a fire, like imagine if you're trying to teach a person how to build a fire, the best thing you would do is just build the fire in front of them and show them by example, right? Because if you tried to like turn it into a physics lesson and a mathematics lesson and a, you know, how to place sticks 
It sounds like obsessive compulsive disorder. They just need to watch and observe and learn. And so, of course, this is the the old spiritual uh, problem solution quest is, you know, change myself and then, oh, I'm addicted to changing others. And look, change myself. Let me come from different angles because we – you know, our safety, our ego's safety lies in other people becoming more how we want them to be. And although many people would be benefited by that, that's the sad and the angst and the tragic thing that we have to sit within our souls. Like, yes, there are people who would rather poison themselves slowly and die of it and run from the truth. Yes, there are people who don't want to see. Those people are damaging the planet and causing us issues. They may shorten our lifespan. They may destroy our life. Like five people might have an all-out nuclear war that kills us all. And so we have to figure out how to be like social justice warriors in a way that channels the highest virtues, the highest spiritual virtues that we understand. Like you don't become a totalitarian dictator against totalitarian dictators. It doesn't work. How do we raise the vibration and become examples of more compassionate people with persistent knowledge, but how do we deliver that in a way that is inclusive and not exclusionary? And I feel like in my path, because I stand in front of people and talk and just like go somewhere and then suddenly I snap out of it and it's like, what happened? And then I started doing video editing and I would see when I would get preachy and shoot someone down and I would see their aura shrink and their shoulder. Oh. And I would be like, oh, man, don't do that. And that's been a really good self-reflector. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just so much, man, because I've, I've been through that stuff, too, as far as um, preaching and standing, on, even funny, standing on the street corners and wearing all white. Like we used to do that, you know, and we'd preach and the end was near, repent, turn from your sins, those type of things, you know, which yeah. is which is righteous, a righteous thing to do. But it's the spirit you're coming out of as far as like, just simply like, don't tell me how to live. Show me how to live. Show yeah. me how to do it. Right. And there's so much that can be said through that. And, you know, like you said too, I mean, there's a lot of, I think that's part of our, our, our process. A lot of people have to go through that. I'm thankful that I did that stuff. I don't, I got videos of it too. And the videos make me cringe, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm thankful for it. I've learned for, I've kind of learned not to do that now, now that I've done it. And, um, and then we're able to see people who are in those realms of understanding and we're able to show empathy to them. Hey man, I've been where you are and, uh, there's more, there's more ahead, you know, learn everything while you're here and and try to show them compassion. And what's cool is that a lot of times you can pull them out of that because you can show them wisdom and understanding about, Hey, I did this but try this and just yeah. see, see what changes. Right. See, see if you get results when yeah. you do this and, and it, it works, man. You know, I guess before we get too far away from the, um, the, the, the psychedelics, I wanted to ask you whenever you um, went down those um, um, paths, did you feel like it was something that was calling you maybe from research and study? Was it something that, that was calling you or did you just stumble upon it and do your research? Cause I really felt like for me and a lot of people, it was kind of a, it was something that, that meant to be. And it was like, Hey, we have something to show you. And eventually you're here now. Now we want to communicate with you. Do you feel like that? That was spiritually calling you? That's again, you know, back to this idea of, you know, it's only for those who, 
who get called. You know, yeah. any path is only for those who feel the inspiration. And from my experience, I definitely feel like that has been my life passion. I mean, my whole foraging and herbalism practice started from understanding that there were these indigenous cultures who engaged in shamanic plant ceremonies. And yeah. that the way that I tried to explore nature. So that was actually previous to me ever looking for edible mushrooms or anything, you know, listening to Terrence McKenna, learning about, you know, as I mentioned, all these anthropologists who went to indigenous cultures, like I always wanted to be an anthropologist who went to indigenous cultures and learned from them. You know, I really always felt a calling from that. And, you know, the, the, the ways that mushrooms or salvia or anything came into my life always felt like, they were accessing me more than I was accessing them. So, you know, I knew about ayahuasca for probably 20 years and never engaged in a ceremony because I believe that the connection with the teacher is just as important than drinking the brew. Mm -hmm. And so literally how ayahuasca came into my life was when it was ripe and when it called to me, it was serendipitous. I didn't even have to pay for it. Columbia trip just manifested out of the blue. And I found myself in front of the teacher and the medicine. And literally, I, I did not make an effort, an intellectual yeah. effort. And so for me, too, like with mushrooms, it's like I would never be at a party and somebody's like, hey, you want to try these mushrooms? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it. But that's not my style because yeah. I feel like I need to intention set and quest yeah. and create uh, a ritual and make boundaries around it. And I try to do that vision quest for like a couple weeks before I would mm-hmm. consume it. And it's like essentially saying, okay, is it really time? Like, are you sure you want me to come to you? Are you sure? And if there's any indicator of no, then I'm going to listen to that. I'm not going to override that with my mind because of addiction or attachment or anything like that. So, you know, I think there's always, there's always a calling, you know, that has to be there or else maybe that's a lot of the people who have bad trips or. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe it's not calling to you, but you don't care and you don't listen to those signs. I mean, you know, a lot of life is you have an intuitive feeling. Our whole culture is trained out of listening to that intuitive feeling. And so we don't pick up on that intuitive feeling. We do the thing. And then later we're like, Oh, I knew it. I felt it, but I didn't listen. And then the yeah. day is done. So, man, that's, 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 that's wisdom, man. Um, because I like to tell people, I, like, even though I describe it as being something so beautiful, so life changing, I don't want to encourage people to do it. Right. I, and I want to say, and this is what I just tell people, say, if it calls you, it calls you. Yeah. That's between you and the plant teacher, whichever yeah. one it is. Right. So I don't want to be like, yeah, man, go do mushrooms, try to find a place, get by yourself, get with people. You know, I don't, I don't really do that, even though I, I do a little bit, but you know, vocally, I'm like, look, if it calls you, it calls you. And I think that's the, I think, I think if it wants you, it's got some things to show you, it will call you. You'll have this, this drive within you to do it. That won't go away Yeah. I, I, until you do it. You'll be so consumed with it. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what happened for me. So that's all I can share is, is what I've learned. You know, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about the salvia because I've always been interested and the salvia, not, um, not because of smoking it. Like I've watched all the videos of people smoking it and losing control of it. Absolutely horrible, by the way. Okay. So they, yeah, they lose control. They, they're slobbering. They can't talk. They can't use their hands. They're crying. They're scared. I've heard stories of friends pissing on themselves and, uh, Mm -hmm. 
thinking they were going to die and fall in holes and stuff. But I have watched the, the little documentary when they were eating the leaves mm-hmm. and, and the way it, it gently went into that place and then experienced those realms and felt connected to nature and gently came out. And that seemed very interesting versus the whole smoking it and uh and being thrusted into this weird place and losing our control of our faculties talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like because i know you said it, it that that you, that you communicated with those beings and i've heard people say the same thing yeah. and one of the ones that i heard they they, they met a woman a goddess type figure mm-hmm. that said i wasn't meant to be smoked uh-huh. um just talk a little bit about that because I'm, I'm i'm definitely interested sure um so I think first off, when when we're talking about this calling, um, you know that that means for me spending like five years researching, learning as much as I can. So it's not like oh I I'm called to it. I bought it on the internet. Like, <laughs> you know, let me yeah. let me down it. So you know, just to put that out there for people yeah. listening, that's a really important thing. You know, your quest, your your spiritual journey is yours, and don't discard the the pursuit of knowledge, you know, that is, uh, filio Sophia is the love of knowledge. So, um, of course, salvia is also called, uh, the herb of the shepherdess and, uh, or, uh, the eyes of the shepherdess. And so this is really important. There is a, a feminine energy, a feminine entity behind that. Now with all things like within the alchemical tradition, right? there was actually the idea that you build your soul, that you build an astral body, that you're not given one, and you build it through almost energetically sensing your boundaries. Like Mm. as you do your practice, you start to feel the walls or the boundaries of your aura. And as you do that, you start to iron out the poison and the resentments and the past hurts and the damages. And as you do that, the boundaries of your auric body get stronger so that when you do travel, you know how to navigate. And what I think is happening with salvia is people are getting in the car blindfolded and hitting the gas at a million miles an hour and don't realize that there is this willful power that you're supposed to have when you engage these teachers. So, for example, it's like with your hand, you lift your hand up, that is willful. That is like third chakra. That's will. That's a power. That's a shamanic power. And a lot of people think that they just throw that in the garbage and see what happens. And as a result, people like take left and right turns with salvia and you end up as like a couch. And that's empathy, right? Empathy is like, oh, I was the perspective of a wall and I saw everybody from the perspective of a wall. <laughs> it's like, that's cool. You're getting empathy, but you took a wrong turn. Because your intent, not your intention, your intent, that willful power is the vehicle that drives, right? That is the way of seeing where you're steering. And so I think that that's the co-creative power that 90% of those videos are horrible. First of all, it's not for in the middle of the day, you know, with your eyes open. It's not about your body moving. So what my experience is like is in the evening time in a very safe place and it's only going to be smoked. It's only going to be the most 15 to 20 minutes. And the least that you will do is lay down for 15 to 20 minutes and not engage the need for your body. 
When people engage the need for their body, that's when they freak out and move and roll and do all these stupid things. So you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to let myself be dead for 20 minutes. If you can't do that, it's not for you. It is, it does seem to be a portal into the after death world. You see the place you go and you die. You can enter that place. Now, I think there is a cosmology, right? There are these sheaths of planes of existence, you know, so in the Hindu mythology, they talk about the seven lower worlds and the seven upper worlds. And these are also the inner chakras. And so there's this correlation with like, you can get to this level, or you can go to this level, or you can go to that level. So behind that whole process feels like there is um, source, angelic source. Um, There are beings. But you can always stay into these personal realms. You know, there are many sheets. So um, I have never gotten the opportunity to chew the plain leaf and do that ritual. I have smoked the extract. Um, I don't do that often, probably 15 times in my life. And I would just recommend a great resource is to listen to Kathleen Harrison. Uh, that's H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. And she has two stories of going down to the jungle and chewing salvia with the Mazatec. And they taught her how to do that ritual. Like they said, never laugh. It offends the spirit of salvia. Never Mm. laugh. Right. And continue to pray out loud was another thing they told her to do. So these are parts that we can take from the indigenous wisdom culture and apply them instead of starting from scratch and just being like, let's see what happens. I'm driving. Let me hit a bowl of salvia. Like, that's where Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, otherwise known as Ram Das, had this uh, psychedelic philosophy in the 60s about set and setting. So your mindset and also the physical setting is just as important as the. Yeah. And if we don't set and setting, if we don't align those things, if we don't create the proper physical surroundings and inner quest, yeah. we will just kind of have an experience that's hard to deal with or do yeah stupid or break our minds or become psychotic and that can happen and that's why it's recommended to be with someone who's competent or to try to talk about these things and that's why i'm i like to engage these conversations because it's sad that nobody's able to talk about it so everybody's got to figure it out from scratch and that that's a drug oppressive policy and that's why nobody knows how to shamanically practice and so you know i don't think that we necessarily become shamans, but I feel like we all have to do our best to engage in a shamanic perspective and mindset, which requires a lot of study and training and working with elders and, you know, not just going head on. I had some friends who were with, who was with us uh, when we had the, uh, the hero dose thing going on and they had a beautiful experience, you know, and it wasn't as profound as mine. It changed my life, man, but um, they had a beautiful experience. And then, so the following weeks, they're like, hey, I got some friends who have some. I'm going to go over to their house and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to tap in, bro. You know, I'm like, OK, I'm not doing it yet. I have to like all the information that came through. Yeah. I have to deal with this first. I have to right. get my life in order. There's no yeah. there's no reason for me to go back in to get more information or insight about what to do unless yeah. I've, I'm, I'm thankful for what they've shown me. Let me show yeah. them that I'm thankful for what they show me. Amen. So they so they try to go in with some some friends at a party and he's wanting to recreate what we did mm. and he didn't know the people he were around. We were fasting and, and prepping and everything. So they had mushrooms, they go there and he's excited for, to show them what he's found, you know? 
and they go in and they, they take the doses and whatever. And, um, they open their front door and they put on crazy heavy metal music videos wide open where it's just going through the whole neighborhood. So therefore you're thinking that the cops are really going to come and, and nobody is in a state where they can talk to the cops. My buddy starts having a panic attack and he's like, goes, locks himself in the bathroom and starts praying and asking for them to, to turn the stuff off. And they got music and strobes on it. Just like having a party and they're probably drinking and smoking and everything with it and just not giving themselves over to it. And it freaked him out, you know, and that, that's part of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just so like permanent damage, you know, it's a set, set and setting is, is key, man. And I think that's why, uh, you know, in the other cultures, they have a shaman, they have a person who's going to lead you. They're going to play some soothing music. They know that, that, you know, there may be a time where it gets overwhelming and you're going to need to be coached down. Like you, like even now, just because we don't we don't have an ancient Indian man with us at our gatherings, we need somebody who is a little bit more seasoned to kind of know what's going on. Or you have a panic attack, you'll freak out and have a bad trip and be fighting demons for eight hours. I've had friends who've done that and mixed every mixed all these drugs together, and they fought demons for eight hours, and that scared me, made me not want to do it. But I didn't know that they had mixed all this ketamine and all kind of stuff together, yeah. and it scared. I was like, you know, I'm not touching that, dude. No way. And sadly, every time someone does something like that, it gives the government and the media the example yeah. to continue to force us into a childlike state with our responsibility. That is the poster child for why drugs are bad. Okay? Yeah. And so we have a responsibility also to show the society that that's not what it's about. Exactly. Uh, recommending, first of all, I don't recommend taking anything synthetic. I think whenever man makes something, it's for greed I'm and with you. money, and there is no spirit behind there. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a demented entity that was made in a laboratory. Yeah. So that's first. And then the idea of mixing substances, I would never recommend that either. Yeah. One at a time. And you said something so important, which is, Take your time to integrate because it's not about having experiences. It's about what you do with the experiences that you have. And that's so important. Like if you are, if you are integrating the revelation that you're given, it is more spiritual quote unquote than yeah. how many times you've consumed the substance. Yeah. Because if you just keep eating stuff, you're actually more damaged and you're not getting anything. And that's something that's so important is like, we got to take the time to do that in, introspective practice like so the way i see it is like psychedelics are you know the the they break the hard rock and now you have shards of rocks everywhere and then the meditation and the questing and the prayer is kind of tidying that back up and you clean that and you have to kind of know yourself and integrate that and then go back in when it's your time not just because you want to or you're at a party most of the videos that i see with salvia on the internet are always in public are often like that is a horrible situation. Like you're saying, heavy metal and strobe lights, not <laughs> even close. You're already on mushrooms, no way. And I mean, this is a sacred experience yeah. that indigenous people have been working with for you know maybe yeah. fifty thousand years, and we need to honor that process. You know, what's crazy about the music part of it? I feel that I feel that we could do this without the mushrooms if we're if we're sensitive to the spirit realm, but with the mushrooms or with the plant teachers, whichever they may be, um, you can I, I can feel the intention behind the music. Like what was like the spirit behind that? That's what that, um, 
in the scriptures, you have the psalmist and they can just play without even speaking where they play. And you feel the intention while they're playing the stringed instruments. And that's what King David was. And, and music is powerful. There were there's stories where King David played the, 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 the harp or the lyre, whatever it was. Um, and the evil spirits rested off of Saul that were tormenting him. The only place he got rest was when he listened to that music. And there's other examples. Uh, I know Pythagoras talks about some stuff about the power of music and subsiding evil spirits by, by, by playing this, this beautiful, comfortable music. So going into those realms and being able to feel the intention, whether if somebody was playing a song that was about hatred, about war, about, about, um, confusion and things like that you can feel it versus putting on music that's made for exploration about creativity about tapping into to those realms and and what that person was going through when they wrote those songs and, and created it you can feel that stuff so that's yeah. why the music thing is super duper important man it's also important to realize that in traditional settings like if you go down to the jungle and you drink ayahuasca they play music they they produce sound for probably 10 percent of the experience like unless you're talking about santo daimi which is like a christian ayahuasca hybrid if you talk about like the traditional you know ways that ayahuasca is drank the only time they do an intro and an outro and the only other time they make sounds is if you're bugging out and otherwise it's silent and so the music is a different it's not about performing you know it's not yeah. about like, oh, look at me now and watch how good I am at this flute. It's like, oh, let me calm this person down because I see they're agitated. And that will be for like 30 seconds. And the person calms down and they slowly stop. So it's a very different thing than, you know, we again interpret everything through like, oh, look at me. I'm so good. Like, check this out. Um, and so we also need to understand that like, you know, healing sound is not, uh, it's not necessarily music as we interpret it, right? It's and, and so with all these psychedelic experiences, it's really important. If you have external stimulus, you're less liable to go within. Mm-hmm. So the more stuff that's outside of you that's happening or taking away your awareness to your internal process, yeah. the less you're going to kind of fold into yourself and see what's there. So that's, again, the setting. Is that your, is that your intention? You know, my intention is spiritually growing. And so I need to give myself the proper way of spiritually growing. And that's not obviously by, you know, you, you sit down to imagine you sit down, you're like, I'm going to meditate now. And you sit down at the computer and write emails the whole time. Mm-hmm. Obviously you're not going to see yourself a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, so you can be meditative and write emails, but it's different than actually sitting and meditating and yeah. fixing some anxieties or pains that are in there. And we all have to do that work and psychedelics are not necessary for that. And we need to be able to do both versions. Yes. If we're going to engage the psychedelics to do that spiritual growth, it's also important to do that spiritual growth without the psychedelics. If not more. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, I got two more questions for you. Um, sure. Dealing with nature beings. I got a song coming out. It's called The in, uh, Invisible Creatures of the Five Elements. Um, and so talking about nature beings, I think it was Paracelsus who coined, uh, coined the, fra- the phrases and, and actually gave these names of these beings who um, are over the plant kingdoms, the water, the air, the fire, the earth, and they help, they help things grow mm-hmm. um, the, as far as the plant life and these, these beings and, and stuff, man. Um, do, do you have any um, insight on that? Have you encountered in- anything? Have you been able to see anything? I mean, 
So the way the way I see it is like there's three names that come to mind. One is the devas, so that's in the Sanskrit terminology. Uh, the other is uh, Tom Brown's tracker school calls it the keepers. Okay. And then there's also the elementals. Elementals, yeah. So these are forces, right, that are we could call behind all things. And so one of the ways I look at it is like, so you see a, a yarrow plant, there's one yarrow, individual yarrow plant. But then there's also like the fact that there are yarrow plants all around the planet. And each one of them is tapped into this signature, this, this elemental aspect. So there's the spirit of yarrow. And that is the one that we engage with to work with the body of yarrow. And if we don't, we're just working with bodies. So in alchemy, there's the body, the soul, and the spirit, right? And those are the three forms that we engage. And so with every plant, there are these uh, energies behind them. And I think it's kind of misleading if we call them like beings only because then people think there's people. Right. So, yes, you can see them in archetypal form. If you get into a meditative state, the Yarrow spirit will come and show itself to you in a particular form. But, of course, the form is less important than the transmission. And so, you know, one of the things we didn't mention and what I think bugs people out a lot with psychedelics is that you gain super telepathy. Um, sometimes you can't turn it off. Sometimes yeah. you can turn it off for weeks. That is schizophrenia. You know, when you break open your telepathic capacity and you cannot handle the input coming in, that's what makes people schizophrenic. They could read everybody. They could read everything. They're reading everything. Too much information is coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we've narrowed down our telepathic communication in a way that enables us to exist in this world in a way that's safe. So with those energies, it's like telepathy comes and insights come. And I very much feel like by sitting with certain plants, I will receive a Latin name. It will tell me who it is. I will, the other day I was teaching a plant walk. It was pouring rain. I had a hood over my head. I was looking down and I was just walking and literally I was like, Yarrow. Uh, no, 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 sorry, Elderberry. Here's Elderberry. And literally I realized that I didn't even look at it. I didn't, how did I know it was even there? Because of sense, this Elderberry spirit was like, hey, do you want to talk about me? Show them me. I want to engage these people and yeah. that kind of telepathic communion is something that I practice. And I think we can engage with, with the plant world. And so yeah. basically each, each plant has a keeper or a spirit. Now we don't want to say that it's behind the plant because just like your soul is not behind your body, your body is the vessel for your soul. And so again, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look under it. You know, it's like, God is not under the material world. God is, the material world is the body of God. Yeah. And so that's what we need to remember. We, we can't dualize it into like, oh, that's not the spiritual part. And that's the spiritual part. And mm -hmm. So we need to reintegrate those parts. And so every plant uh, has that power of transmitting to us. And those are the kind of spirits of the plants. Beautiful, man. My wife would kill me if I didn't, if I, if I got you off the line and didn't ask you, she had a question. She wants to know, do, do you know any natural remedies to rid poison ivy? She is highly allergic. If it touches her body, it, it spreads. Mm -hmm. Do you know any natural remedies? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. So basically, the cure for poison ivy is right relation with poison ivy. 
<laughs> that means respect. And so Poison Ivy is a teacher of teaching humans that not everything is here for your exploitation children. And when we honor a person, like a grandmother, we don't get in our grandmother's face and say, get the fuck out of my way, lady. Right? That would be super disrespectful. So what we try instead to do is say, I honor your need. I honor your boundary. I honor your space. I honor your presence. I know how to recognize you as my grandmother. And so we need to do the same thing with poison ivy. We need to realize that poison ivy is a protector of the forest. It grows on the edges of forests where people come to dump garbage. Those people that come and dump garbage, those are the people that leave with poison ivy. So first we understand that's the spirit of poison ivy. It's saying, hey, know that not everything here is just for you to put in your mouth. That's, that's selfish, right? Learn how to have boundaries in nature. Not everything is here for you to exploit, and I'm the warrior that's protecting that. Um, so poison ivy is a good messenger of like, wow, gosh, I wasn't being aware. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't walking in respect. So the first thing is learning poison ivy, giving it its due respect and leaving it alone. Sometimes you need to pull it out of your garden or something. If you need to wear gloves, leave those gloves outside, make sure it doesn't touch your body. That's different than walking in the woods and moving away from touching poison ivy. Now, when you get poison ivy, the thing is that poison ivy is not something that that plant does to you. It's something your body does in reaction to the chemistry of poison ivy. It's a very different thing. So you have an inflammatory response and you have a liver enzyme response. That's what causes inflammation of the rashes on your body. So first of all, you'd mediate those by taking liver and lymphatic and anti-inflammatory herbs, of which there are many. You Google any of that, you'll see 25 of them. So that's going to help you flush out the chemistry of what poison ivy has that you get allergic to. The second thing is understanding that you have autoimmune reaction to things. And so people have allergies, not because of the substance, but because of their immune system reacting. So that's what we would treat. We would say, okay, you don't need to react as intensely. So looking at obviously diet, white flour, white sugar does not help your immune system be balanced. All the toxins that we've ever eaten and consumed and sprayed and breathed in, all these toxins, we need to cleanse those out of our bodies. And then we start getting to the core of um, balancing the immune function and then not having an overreaction. So um, like I work with immunomodulators, that's another class of herbs, right, or mushrooms, for example, and those will help over time make you less reactive. And that's important as an herbalist to address the actual issue. So you address the issue over time, you reduce your immune overreaction, um, and then also symptomatically you treat like turmeric, oak bark tea, right? Anything with quercetin or anything anti-inflammatory will help. Liver herbs such as dandelion, milk thistle, um, lymphatic herbs like uh, cleavers. So that would be kind of a formula I'd be making. Plus, the other thing is look at topically, you have a rash. That means your liver is trying to tell your body that it needs help pulling something out of your skin. Hmm. So if you take oatmeal, right, make some cooked oatmeal, you put it on that area, it starts to draw it or like bentonite clay will start to draw it out. That's what your body is asking for help with, right? Salt water bath, another thing. So you draw it through the skin and you treat internally. That's awesome, man. So it's not, um, it's not essentially your body reacting. It's more of overreacting it's right? whenever you have that, some. It's not something that happens to you. It's a, something that you're doing yeah. you can mediate. 
That's good. Okay, so this is the end of the show, man. I would just want to kind of give your links out. Uh, it's amazing talking to you, brother. Yeah, you <laughs> it was good. Um, so as far as um, so you do this for a living. You you travel and you you do tours and 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 take people out in the woods and teach them things like that. Um, so you could essentially um, travel and set up with a group of people and show how to commune with the plant kingdom, the elementals, and you could do a a, a, um, a lecture and a class on that, right? A workshop. Definitely. Yeah. And that's what it's, it's all word of mouth. And somebody emails me and they're like, Hey, can you come here? And I'm like, wow, I'll be there next month. So let's figure something out. So that's yeah. pretty much how this, the tour goes. So if anybody wants to collaborate and connect, you can always email me at dan at return to nature.us. And then also on my website, uh, return to nature.us and my Facebook page, which is return to nature skills there. I'll make events on Facebook and I have like a calendar there. And so anybody can see where I'm at. I may head, you know, stay around New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania for the winter, uh, finish up a book I'm writing and then probably head West, uh, after that. So any plans to come to the South? We're all the way down in Alabama, man. Cool. That's the next step. I'm definitely like, I love Asheville, North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. so I'll definitely be headed, uh, South sometime, perhaps maybe the fall of 2018 is what I'm looking at. So you know. would love to set something up with you, man. It'd be awesome to come down here and show us what we got going on. Yeah, it'd be great. We got a lot of swamps down here, yeah. a lot of lily pads, elephant ears, all those type of things, man. Yeah. You're talking about your body reacting to that stuff. I remember I was working for the city and we used to have to go and um, weed eat and cut the ditches and stuff. And we're in there with weed eaters wide open. We're hitting these elephant ears and nobody told us in 10 minutes later. Our bot would just itching and welted up from cutting those things, man. Yeah, when you know. attack nature, nature gets you back. It's like, <laughs> you know, we're, look at the world. That's yeah. the problem with the world is that we're attacking the very, it's like beating up your face Yeah. and not realizing that you're it. You're that. You are nature. If you attack nature, you attack yourself, right? That's the missing piece of our whole environmental catastrophe of the pollution going out in the atmosphere and the cancer rate getting higher. Hello. That's, you know, we are what yeah. we breathe. We are what we eat. We are what we live like. So work with it, man. You'll essentially be able to return to nature, work with nature, not against it, man. Dude, thank you so much for coming on brother. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah. I want to get you down here soon, brother. I definitely want yeah. to do something with you. I'd love to. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Really appreciate it. All right, brother. Shalom. Shalom. Have a good one, man. Adios. Peace. Awesome. Dandelion. It was a, it was a good one. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm gonna try to get him down here too. So all all, all of my Alabama uh, friends who are listening and watching, we're gonna we're gonna work something out with them really soon. Good stuff. I have a, um, a couple more scriptures I'd like to share, man. Um, this these scriptures that that just talk about returning to nature, returning to where we came from, essentially. Um, this is a good one. Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So that's a beautiful scripture because it's talking about that you will be without excuse, that, that there's this, uh, these invisible qualities of, of, of a creator because creation screams his name it's like just simply looking at the sunsets um 
it says it says you'll be without excuse. Psalm 19:1. This is one of the big ones. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Just talk, just getting back to nature. Job 12, 7 through 10. But ask the animals. They will teach you. Let's just stop there. I don't have to keep going. Let's just stop there. Don't even finish it. But ask the animals and they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky. And they will tell you. Or speak to the earth. And it will teach you or let the fish in the sea inform you, which of all these things does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this and his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. That's beautiful, man. I know it's poetically written. It's written in metaphor form, but a lot of this stuff, man, I believe, I believe it's key to be taken literally. If not anything, try it, right? Can we try it? Can we try to ask the animals, literally? Will they teach us, literally? Or it's just symbolic when we look at them, we see how they operate. We see that God takes care of them. God clothes them. He gives them breath in their lungs, right? Twofold, always. Everything is twofold, all of it. Speak to the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. Hey, I just think outside the box, man. Can we speak to the earth? I will tell you this. The earth is definitely speaking. Like he was saying at the very end when we look at like what's going on in the earth right now, the planets, wars, rumors of wars, the hurricanes, all of this stuff, man. It's like uh, just reacting, man. Just like he was talking about like the poison ivy. Your skin, your body reacts to it, and it's trying to get these toxins and things out of your body, body that's um, essentially causing harm. I'm pretty sure the, the, the hurricanes, man, they kind of fall in, in the same category. I mean, we look at um, the song, I think it's uh, Anima, I believe is the song by Tool, talking about just catastrophes and earthquakes and and things like that, um, that, that that's going on because Mother Nature is pissed. The earth is pissed. The Bible talks about the earth is alive and that the earth is a spirit. The planets are spirits. The planets are alive. And Maynard says, Mom's going to fix it all soon. Mom's going to ground it, put it back the way it ought to be. And at times, man, we look at earthquakes and look at all the destruction that goes on. Sometimes it's like it's like a dog who's full of fleas. And they just want to shake the fleas off. It wants to get some type of, man, we're drilling in it, taking the oil, taking the resources, the the vehicles, man, all of this stuff, man. Especially when there's clearly ways that we can work with the earth. Clearly ways now. Clean energy. Stuff's proven, man. All types of scientists and all types of independent researchers who are able to extract clean energy from motion and I've seen this one. There was just, uh, there was these conductors that they put in the ocean, right? And the waves would cause it to move back and forth and it would conduct energy from the waves, pushing it back and forth and conduct, conduct energy. There's all types of stuff out there. Yeah. The earth is pissed off, man. I think we should return to nature. Uh, someone in the chat, uh, Chanel, Hey Chanel, 
Kurt, Kanto, what's up, y'all? Chanel says that it reminds me of my song, I Return. Definitely. If you haven't heard that song, go check it out. Uh, and the song I was going to refer to him is Golden Teachers that I've done. But yeah, I'm, re- I'm returning to the belly of the earth. I'm returning to the place of my birth. Back from the future to heal my hurt. I took a dose and I found my hope. The medicine is better when it helps me cope. Who am I? I am you. Back to the essence. Remain true. Bask in the presence. Chosen few. And I decipher the truth with my mind renewed. Never find what I'm seeking in school or church. Religion is deceiving. But I started there first. Doctrines of demons and the pain got worse. Find the ancient path to reverse the curse and I return. Beautiful song, man. I did that one with um, Hope Medford from the group Medicine for the People. Nako, Nako Bear. Uh, Hope, she plays the drums in Jimbe and uh, and she sings. Beautiful soul, man. I love to connect with her on here. I'm trying to make that happen. But yeah, make sure you check that song out. It's called Our Return. So I just want to thank everybody for hanging out with me. You guys are awesome. I love doing this. And like I said, again, I'm going to thank the patrons again who are allowing me to do this month to month. Uh, you guys are, are um, spending your hard work hard earned money on um, helping me pay bills and help, help me catch up and help me put out new music, man. I couldn't do it without you guys from the bottom of my heart. I say, thank you. My family says, thank you. Um, if you want to help, you can go to patreon.com backslash truth seeker. And it's just not giving money just for the sake of giving, but you get free stuff. You get perks, you get rewards. You get new music, unreleased music. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting on some stuff right now that if you haven't heard it, you're missing out. 100%, 1,000%. If you have not heard my new music and you're a fan of my music, you're missing out. If you're a fan of spirituality and music in general, you're missing out. It's going to be available. It's going to be available to the general public. I don't know when, like when the album's done. But when I finish a song, when a song is done, I upload it to Patreon. And it's only for the patrons who are supporting because you guys over there are totally helping me do this. Um, the way the music industry is, we don't make a lot of money on music anymore. Man, I look at my iTunes statements, bro. I'm ten, it's like, man, it may be a less than a hundred bucks a month. Sometimes people don't buy music. They download it. You can't download a t-shirt. I have links in the description. If you guys would like to buy some merch as well, all of that stuff helps support. Um, and it goes a long way. It really does. So thank you guys for supporting independent music, independent artists, independent researchers. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. With that being said, I'm going to say shalom, and uh, we'll get with you guys soon. We're going to do it again. Peace, peace.
for a long time. I want to get your input on something. Um, there's a book. It's a it's sort of the process, the beginning process that life coaches use. Well, I say like not everybody in general, but what we're learning here um, through the agency that I'm going through, through Regents University, they have a book, and we can sort of alternate what we want to, but it's actually pretty good. It's what I'm using now with clients. I have, I have one client, possibly another one, uh, which is surprising. I thought I was only going to start off with one. Um, but they want us to share our story. So I said, oh, let's say this. They want us to share our story of where we come from, you know, and again, so that people can relate. So this is not super long, but it's, they want at least one page long. So I don't think I have a page worth yet. But if I share something with you, could you read over it? Because you've seen my good, bad, and ugly. And give me your honest feedback when you get a chance. Goodbye.